You are listening to the 440 Focus. It's time for us to focus on the incredible things happening at USD 440 with the people making it happen, and that's you. So let's get started with today's 440 Focus podcast. All right, welcome everybody. We are officially starting episode one of the 440 Focus, a podcast about USD 440 teachers and the amazing things that they are doing in the classroom and beyond. And today with my first official guest, um, I have Miss Ashley Watkins. She is a uh, English teacher, yearbook uh, Teacher, she, I mean, she, she's been on our tech department team. She's on the BLT, uh, redesign co-chair. Uh, her list goes on and on. If you get on and see her, her LinkedIn, I kind of peeked at it a little bit ago, not to lie. But um, it, it did highlight a lot of those awesome things that you're doing. So I don't want to tell your story about who you are and how you, how you got here. I'd like you to share uh, with us. So, Ashley, this is your chance to just, like, how did you end up at USD 440 and what all have you done during your educational career? Okay. Um, well, thank you so much for having me on. I love a podcast. I'm a big podcast podcast fan. This is my first time being a guest on one, so I'm very excited. Awesome. Um, my husband is from Halstead, grew up in Halstead, is a, went to HHS. And basically the short answer is I am at Halstead because of him and some of his uh, friends who uh, – kind of would always put a bug in my ear about it would be great to have you here at Halstead you know we love what you're doing with journalism um, and maybe we could bring some of those things here so I started teaching at Capen in 2004 I attended Capen for high school so my story of how I got there is kind of similar basically connections of like hey do you want to come here and teach um I started teaching religion at Capen, and then after four years switched to journalism, which is what I majored in in college. So kind of came to education non-traditionally, but after a year in the classroom with high school students, I realized I really loved high school students and was really passionate about working with them. And being able to teach journalism just furthered that passion. So I was a full-time journalism teacher there for five years newspaper, yearbook, web, photography, video, and got married during my, at the summer before my last year there, and wasn't really planning to switch, and in the spring of that year, so spring of 2013, uh, there came an opening in the English department at Halstead, and it just sort of, everything sort of fell into place. I came and interviewed, and it's not hyperbole to say that within you know the first five minutes of my interview I was like wow I really feel like this is where I'm supposed to be and I had always loved Halstead I had been in the community for probably about five or six years at that point and so I knew people and and kind of already had my 
you know, an idea of what the community was like, but being in the school and talking to Joe Gerber, the principal, and just meeting more people, I was like, I think this, this is right. And so um, took on teaching English, which I had never done before. Um, and they said, well, we want to grow our journalism department. So we're going to, you're going to teach yearbook and video. And we're also going to add an intro to video class. And then over the next couple of years, added a photo class and an intro to journalism class. And I actually had a girl, a student just asked me today and say, how many things do you teach, Miss Watkins? I said, mm, a lot. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I enjoy it. And it's, it's taken some finagling on the schedule on, on through some of the years. Now with the FlexMod, it's, it's a lot easier to fit all those things in. Yeah. But I was really committed. If I'm going to, if I want to grow the journalism department here, which was, you know, a vision that Joe had and other people had, um, we need good intro classes. You can't just plop somebody down in yearbook and expect them to know how to use a camera and write a story and all those things. So um, it's been really a pleasure to um, see it grow and see students become passionate about it and see them understand, you know, I first came, it's like, why do we have to change the yearbook and why do we have to write stories and why do we have to get quotes and why can't we just like go ahead and take no disrespect to anyone who taught yearbook and halted in the past at all it's hard it is really hard um but why do we why can't we just take a bunch of pictures on one day and just call it good and so getting them to understand it's a history book and it's something that keep people keep forever and people pay a lot of money for it and so we want it to be good so um Yes. So that is how I ended up in Halstead and kind of how things have evolved for me in the, this is my eighth year. So in the seven, over seven years I've been here. Well, it sounds like we have a lot of similarities in the fact that uh, our, our significant others uh, were the connection that brought mm -hmm. us, here, you know, and I think what you've highlighted is uh, what makes this place special is the people, right? And, and it, you came mm -hmm. because of the people. And, and I've said that before too, and I've stolen the, the idea from, or the, the words from Coach Schneider, he came because of the people and he stayed because of the people. And, and they're, they're, that is true and evident here at, at USD 440 and Halstead Valley School District and, and within our communities. Um, so so you got here, like you said, you, you've, you've got this whole like journalism vision, right? And so I know that in our conversation we had before the podcast, uh, you talked a little bit about vision or mission and that that it, it doesn't just go in with what you're teaching, but you also have maybe like a personal mission or vision statement, right? And how, how did you come up with that? What is that about? Um, and it, maybe how does, that, how does that drive you? Yeah, so um, I won't lie and say that that's something that I've always had. I think that uh, the longer I teach, the more passionate I become about the things that I'm doing and the things that I feel like students need. And, um, you know, my understanding of a mission statement is that it's where your passion meets the need of those that you're serving. And so I would say that, you know, my mission statement that I feel best expresses the things that I feel passionately about and the needs that I see for my students is that I want to help students to develop individuality as they go out into the world and serve their fellow citizens. 
And so just kind of taking a few pieces of that really quickly to talk about is, um, the, you know, the individuality piece, um, helping students to grow in their knowledge of themselves. Um, what are their passions? What makes them tick? Um, who are they? Uh, what are their motivations? Things like that. And I try to do things, you know, in my classroom that help them to reflect on that, whether it be journaling or certain activities that we'll do um, where it's not always, I mean, the nice thing about teaching English is honestly anything can be English if you're pulling yeah. in reading or writing or communicating. Right. And so, you know, we do things where we lo we've looked at motivation styles, we've looked at strengths and having them reflect on those. Um, so who are you as a person helping, helping them to develop, develop that. And then as they go out into the world and serve their fellow citizens, um, you know, whatever that looks like, but service learning is something that I've definitely incorporated into my classroom in the past, uh, was planning, have probably been doing it for about three years. I didn't get to do my full thing last year because of getting sh cut short with COVID, right. but um, I've done some different things with that and helping them understand that a service project doesn't just mean going to volunteer at like a soup kitchen or doing a food drive. It's taking that individuality and how do you use it to, you know, help other people. And that looks different. Yeah. Um, so like, and like even through, yeah. When I was talking to Adam, welcome in episode zero, I guess, um, we talked about giving students a voice, right? And so I think, yeah. I think yeah. you do that in your English class, right? With all these different things that you're doing in your classroom. But I love this concept or idea of then transitioning that voice to empower students then to maybe help somebody else or help better their community or better, better society, right? And I feel like that's kind of what, yeah. what you're getting at in your classroom. Am I, am I on it or... Or my off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you guys talked about empowerment last week, I mean, that is, I think, such a huge thing that we can do for students is to listen to them, to let them speak, to let them come up with their own solutions, um, to empower them to do that. Because I don't know that that we've always been in education consistently the greatest at that. But I think that's where things sometimes can, it can be difficult when they leave high school and they've got to come up with their own solutions. And they're like, oh shoot, someone has been kind of telling me where to go and what to do for the last, you know, from kindergarten until my senior year. And now I have to do all these things on my own. And so the more we can, we can help them get comfortable with that sense of, if you have a challenge or a problem, you probably have the solution, but how can we help you? How can we empower you to find it? Yeah. So they, I mean, they've got to have these higher level thinking skills and be able to problem solve mm -hmm. on their own and be able to, you know, too often we're the safety net, right? And, and unfortunately mm -hmm. we become the safety net of the extension beyond just school, even to their, their personal lives, uh, because a lot of our students don't have that, that safety net at home. And so the, we're the best shot that they've got. And so uh, how do we, how do we continue to, to, to allow students to, uh, I don't know. I mean, I've always said that if we can teach kids how to learn on their own, 
right? Then, then I feel like they will be successful. If we can teach kids to, to, to be able to uh, problem solve on their own, uh, then they'll be, they'll, they'll be successful later in life. Another teacher in our district, Amy Heber, talks about, do you have a resource available to you to solve the problem that you mm -hmm. have, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than me as a teacher, always solving their problems and always being the crutch for them. And, uh, and so I think the more opportunities that we provide within our school districts, within our classrooms, within our clubs, our organizations, um, within this girls group that you have as well, um, to, to, to teach students uh, more than just what's in the textbooks, right? That's where we make our greatest gains to allow them to have success uh, post K through 12 experience. So, um, yeah, I, t I totally love that concept that that you've that you've presented, and and you can see it that that is your passion, right? And everything that you do, and all the things that you listed earlier about your experiences at Halstead and maybe even at Capen, um, I see how all those groups, all those organizations tie back to that, even on our redesign teams and, and uh, tech integration and, and being able to, because now I've seen with the tech side, you've empowered your kids in the Photoshop, they have a voice, they have a way to, 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 uh, to find success post-secondary, not just with uh, maybe a job, but maybe how they cope with stress, you know, and anxieties mm -hmm. and, and all those different things. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's it. the more that we can do it. And, and I, I, I want to hit on your girls group that you've got, because I think maybe I would assume that that's where this kind of stemmed from, from your mission and your vision statement. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the idea really started from wanting to give students um, some different experiences, maybe some different, uh, opening them up to some different ways of thinking. Um, and how could we do that? You know, we have some great organizations and clubs at the high school, but everything you kind of have to, besides K's, you kind of have to like NHS, you have a certain grade point. Scholars Bowl, you have a certain interest. FCA, you need to be an athlete, you know, whatever that may be. So I really thought, well, I want to have something that maybe we can bring in some speakers, do some small groups, bring in some different things that could be open to anyone. And it kind of collided with some things that I was seeing more of in my personal life, which were just really empowering strong women in social media books that I was reading and just some things that I was like, man, this is cool. Like, I wish I had known this when I was in high school. And so I started floating this idea of this group. This was would have been, um, let's see, spring of 2018. I floated it to some of my going to be senior girls. I started floating it to some of my friends and peers and colleagues. And literally everyone was like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have had that when I was a freshman or when I was in high school or my daughter needs that. You should definitely do that. And it's evolved, um, but the heart of it is, and we just had our first meeting this year, um, last week actually, and what I tell the girls is the heart of this is for you, hopefully, to come together with other girls that you wouldn't necessarily interact with and to see that you are more similar than you are different. And for upperclassmen to have the opportunity to say, hey, I made those same decisions, those same mistakes, those same things when I was a freshman, you know, here's how you can avoid it. 
for us to have a community where people can come one month and maybe they can't make it the, the next month, but we're always there for you. Um, I think we have a really awesome scheduling opportunity at the high school where we have some open time at lunch where maybe we can have some older girls mentoring some of the younger girls. And also, um, you know, to bring in some outside people to speak and just and just share some experiences that the girls, you know, may not have had before. Um, also, you talked last week or in your first podcast about accountability. That's something that I'm trying to bring in more this year. Um, started it last year again, got interrupted by COVID, but having the girls every every meeting, um, we're starting kind of talking about relationships, you know holding each other accountable. Hey, I really want to work on this. This is something that I want to work on with my relationship with my mom or my sister or my friend or whatever it may be. And I'm going to tell you what my goal, what my action is for this month. And I'm, I want you to check in with me. So that was kind of the challenge that I put up to them. Let's, you know, let's hold each other accountable, you know, in, in pairs or groups of two or as a whole group, whatever we need to do to get you to do this. So it's some accountability too um, for girls that, that might not necessarily always exist otherwise. Yeah. So I have a, I have a daughter obviously. And, and as you know, and um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think about this for her later in life too, is like, how do I continue uh, to provide her with, like you're saying, mentors or um, allow her to discover that her voice does matter. How do I how do I teach her to be a leader among her peers and not always a follower? Like I think too often our girls just assume that, uh, and it's been a societal issue that you know this one direction or this one type of girl or this one um, way of 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 doing things is, mm -hmm. is the only mm -hmm. expectations. And and then if I don't meet that, the pressure is on me, right? And and there, there's so much more. We all have a different um, avenue and, and, and a way that, that we can take on life as long as we understand that we too can um, impact the future and, and take those opportunities and uh, take chances and, and do something different, right? The, the one thing I, I will say this, and I'm not going to get into too many details because uh, I don't think this is the place for it, but, but we did have a student who uh, shared her experiences with her about her past. In a very public way in the newspaper and I was so proud of her for doing yeah. that I wrote, I wrote her a little note telling her like hey that that's what you know Adam welcome who was on our podcast before he wrote a book of power girls that's what that book is all about how can you how can you share your past to impact the future and she didn't only uh, she probably is impacting her own future by sharing that information but she's impacting so many other future young girls that are coming through our system and and I've never been more proud of a, a student since I've been at USD 440 than, than that day. And so um, I think, I know that she's been a part of your group and a part of your mentorship. I know that uh, we have to teach these students, to these female students to, to be leaders and have that voice. And, and I'm so appreciative of your willingness to, to help guide that, right? Something that's never been yeah. done before. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if she talked to you about that, but, but I was. Yeah, she did. She used to have her on the podcast. I should. I maybe For real. She, our first student she guest. has a lot. Yeah, we'll talk later. But okay. yeah, she I, would I like be a that. great guest for you. You're well, trying I do to highlight get... some great things going on. She's she's one of the great things for sure. Yes. 
I do want to, I do want to dig into your yearbook because let me tell you, and I'm not bragging on you because you're on my podcast or you're working the same district as I do, but your yearbook, let me preface this. I was my senior high school. I was in yearbook. Um, (laughs) You know, I probably did it more for being able to go sell ads and get lunch every day at Taco Bell, you know, when it first opened, (laughs) I will admit that shamefully, Uh, but I did write in it and I look back at it and it is horrible, right? It was absolutely <laughs> horrible. And then I go and look at yours and I feel like the ones that our students are making here are just good gravy. I, it, it, it embarrasses me. So uh, not them, me, in my work that I did, it embarrasses me. So they're doing a fantastic <laughs> job. They're taking it to the next level, it seems, every year. Um, how has that, how, from the time that you started and, and they, that I know that that was a, a kind of a, a vision for the program, this growth, to where you got today, how did you get from maybe something that, that wasn't as high on our expectation list to now continuing to, to be innovative and push the bar for, for what a yearbook can be? You know, it starts, I had an amazing journalism advisor in high school who I think of every day that I'm in my journalism classrooms and think about her example. I never understood, like I said, it is no disrespect to anyone who ever makes yearbook because it is way harder than anyone thinks it is. My first year doing yearbook, I was always a newspaper kid, and my first year teaching yearbook um, in 2008, I had a lot of emotions about that yearbook. It was like all these things that you had to think of, and it's really one of those things that once you do one, you're, you're a veteran, you're never, you know, you, you know it, you've been in the trenches. So I just came in, I came, I was lucky to come in at Capen and it was a wonderful award-winning program. And I had students that were very committed and taught me a lot and we continued that tradition. And so when I came to Halstead, in my mind, there was no, nothing else we were going to do. I started with a, staff of five students. One of them had done yearbook before. We had two cameras, really one camera, and we had some very ancient laptops that I don't, they could run in design, but it, and Photoshop, but it was, it was slow. And we just started from scratch and I showed them, I said, here's what I want to go for. And at first they were like, you're crazy. Why do we have to do that? And by October, they were fully invested and they were excited. And we just started going to some conferences and um, working. And by the end, we, we did it. And my second semester, I actually went up to like 13 or 14. I'm not really sure how that worked, but I was glad. I was like, come on in. We're going to do it. I'll train you all again. And it's just been, you know, it builds every year. And the kids are excited because they see it. And I think I get new kids because they see what it is. And they see that the pictures are good. And they see people out getting quotes. And they're interviewed. And they're like, ooh, that's fun. And I want to take pictures of this thing. And I want to learn how to use those cameras we've gone on some trips to some different conventions. I've taken kids to from Halstead to Washington, D.C. We've gone to New York and we've gone to Dallas to national conventions. And then we've also gone to smaller things in Epic K-State and at WSU and in Wichita that they get to hear from experts. And they just see that, you know, and then they get to see also that there's a lot of other schools that are doing this, this level too, and they want to be on that level. 
Um, so it's just been a gradual thing. You know, I do feel like this year I have a really solid staff, but I am back down to five students. And I don't want to keep saying because of COVID, but I think that it's just part of it. I had some really great seniors last year. I had a, a decent sized group of seniors actually the last two years. So you just know you're always going to have some rebuilding years. Um, but my kids that I have right now are great. Um, we are furiously trying to create content that is evergreen, that if we were to lose any kind of sports season or anything, we don't have to cut pages, that we have things that are still going to get students in the book. So they have, I said, guys, we're just going to dive in. And they've done it. And um, we now have eight cameras. We now have two iMacs and 10 MacBooks, thanks to um, our superintendent, who is very committed to helping us grow and be better. And, you know, it's just, it's awesome to just come into the room and get to work on things and have it feel so legit for the kids. Like you're going to work on this stuff and it's going to be smooth and it's going to run fast and it's not going to be, you know, crashing all the time. And that helps so much good technology. You know, you can do it without it, but it helps a lot. So uh, yeah, it's just been, you know, it's building and sometimes it's rebuilding, but ultimately the kids are bought into, we are creating a product that people pay for that they keep forever and they want it to be good and they want it to reflect the history of that year and um, I just feel really proud of them and it's still hard every year but it has become probably my favorite class to teach over the course of my 11 years of teaching here. So you've mentioned COVID on a couple of different cases how did <laughs> how did how did that impact the yearbook I mean did all of a sudden it it shrink in size obviously because the difference, you, yeah. you mentioned the difference this year. This year, you're kind of preparing for, hey, worst case scenario, we know what could happen. Pre, you know, March of 2020, you had no idea that that yeah. would be the no. case, right? And so, well, you know, what was yeah. your response to COVID with regard to the yearbook? And and how did you work through those issues? And how how are you preparing today? You mentioned a little bit how you're preparing, but but maybe with, are you doing more things with, technology, I guess, to, to prepare, or, or what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Because all your pictures are with masks, part of it. too, right? So that makes it a challenge. <laughs> yeah, we are, I mean, it's nice because sports aren't. Um, everything academic is, unless they're outside social distancing, but we have, like, this week's homecoming, and we're able to take them outside and have them social distance to take their masks off so we can take pictures of them in their, out, in their Spirit Week outfits without their masks. So we're, we're figuring that out as we go. Um, I think the masks, I mean, honestly, like I've seen some really cool pictures. Like I had like the volleyball coach, you know, Diana coaching with their mask on and like the players don't, I don't know. It's just, there's some very dramatic images that have come out of it that I think are really important to capture. I was like, before school started, I was like, this is going to be the weirdest year. <laughs> but it's not, I mean, it, it is, it's a yearbook because it's the story of the year. That's what it should be. Right. Um, we are doing, I have pretty much, like we always used to have message boards um, in the room with like some tacks. I love that. That was like something my yearbook advisor did. I was like, honestly, that doesn't really make sense. And so I've moved a lot of stuff to Google Classroom. I've moved a lot of stuff to a shared drive on Google. 
so that everything is accessible by everyone all the time. That was part of what happened in the spring. It was like, ah, I got to get this. Oh, it's in the classroom. Oh, I don't know. Um, in the spring, honestly, I felt really fortunate that everything we could have done was finished. So all the winter pages, all the fall, we had a lot of content. Um, we did end up cutting some pages. We talked about, do we want to say like, you know, what would you have worn to prom? What would you have done in spring sports? And, you know, I like to empower my seniors to make decisions because it's their book. Um, and they kind of felt like that was a little bit sad. Um, so we included some coverage of COVID. We talked about continuous learning. We had a graduation page. Um, but we, we did cut quite a few pages and, and they were okay with that. And the staff was okay with that. And I've I haven't heard, you know, feedback on the book was it's, it's really complete, you know, considering what we lost. Um, I don't think we handled it perfectly. If I look back, I'm like, I could have pushed a little bit more to do some of things. But when I got it and I looked through it in August, I felt proud of the kids. And, you know, it's, it is, it is shows the year. I mean, it was abrupt and the book kind of feels abrupt but I don't know that that's such a bad thing, so. Right, so how does, a, how does a yearbook become, how do you, you know, I'm big on, how do we continue to be innovative? How do we continue to push the envelope? Um, how do we, how, with, with technology taking over so much that we do, you're continuing to fall back on a, on a print book, right? And, and, and there's still value and importance of that, but how do you blend that innovativeness and, and the growth that we're making the technology to, uh, to meet the needs of, of this traditional um, piece of time, you know, that, that we want to continue to capture and make available to people. Yeah, I mean, we've played around through the years, like done some QR codes that link to like video slideshows and some video content. Um, that's a good question. You know, I, I think. Or is there still like a, like a piece that a traditional yearbook still is, it will always yeah. be, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I mean, we do, we probably, it varies through the years about how active we are in social media, but definitely, I mean, we do things with social media, some years more than others. Um, I just think, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of like when I used to teach, newspaper and run a newspaper and I was like you guys just want to go fully online like we could do a lot more content we could do they wanted the newspaper in their hands like they wanted the paper copy um so I think that you know I sort of let students dictate that but in my feeling they're still looking for that kind of traditional book right. um and, you know, I think that's always something that's in, kind of in the back of my mind of how can we innovate with it. Um, and like I said, different years are different depending on, on kids. But one thing that we've done that I think is pretty innovative that we've done for the last three years and will continue to do, and it's not really innovative with technology, which I mean, I think that's kind of what Adam Welcome said last time is he was like, it doesn't always have to be the brand new technology. But we have integrated um, an all school feature for the last three years where I don't know if this is when it'll happen this year, but typically the day before we have Thanksgiving break, 
we set out to interview every student in the school and take a picture of every student in the school um, and get just in an, in an effort to make a better, more complete book to get kids who maybe don't do a ton of sports or activities and just to feature more students. And that is always, we call it a mob journalism event. And that is always super inspiring to me because the kids congregate in my room at the beginning of the day and they have their list of kids and they've got their questions and they've got their cameras and they go out and they, and, and they do it. Every kid that's there, as long as they're not, you know, absent for the day, every kid gets interviewed. Um, and that to me is something that has been really neat and innovative and a sight to see them kind of organized and accomplish that. And then how it comes together in this sort of special section, I think really reflects kind of what you said earlier about the Halstead, like being about community. Um, it's like a tribute to that. Like here are just people. It's not about a sport or a, a learning activity or a club. It's just, who are you? Right. And let me learn a little bit more about what makes you tick. So basically your yearbook empowers or provides an opportunity for voice for every student in the high school? Our goal is to get every student in at least three times. That's awesome. And so one of those is their, is their little life touch picture, right. but we try to get them in at least two other meaningful times, a picture or a quote or something. And generally we get about 85 to 90%. I think we were at 80% last year because of, Look, I think the logistics of COVID-19 being a superintendent is crazy, but the logistics of that, I'm sure, is insane. As well. So uh, that, that is awesome. I'm, I'm, that makes me uh, so happy for our students to hear that. And I didn't even know that. So that, that you had that goal and, and uh, that, that's that, you know, we, all, we always try to do what's best for kids. I think as educators and, yeah. and sometimes it gets lost, you know, but I think if, if uh, we become intentional in our practices, and this is one of those examples, that you really can make something positive for a kid. Because the worst part is when you open a yearbook and it happens with our younger kids and how many kids are in all the pictures, mm -hmm. you know, and how many pictures. And, and so at least if you can make sure that you get everybody in um, multiple times, that, that's, that's awesome. That is the first place everyone goes is the index. How many times <laughs> am I in it? And where am I? That is 100%. I don't care if you're a kid, adult, whatever, that's where you're going. So we've, we, have, we have the benefits or the, the, the distinction of being a redesigned school district. So all three buildings have gone through this KSDE process of redesign. Um, and each building kind of had their different things that they wanted to change about their school to kind of be the leaders and in, in, in doing something different outside the box. And uh, the high school is their big one, right, is, is this, mm -hmm. this piece of, of the FlexMod schedule which you've highlighted, whether it's about yearbook or all the 20 things that you teach in, in the day and having <laughs> impact on kids. And you can fit little sections of, of each one of those uh, throughout the day. I don't know how you do it. But, um, but, but redesign, I think, in general, just allowed educators uh, to, to rethink this process of whether it's how we do you know, certain classes like yearbook or how we do all the classes or how do we provide more opportunities for kids like you're doing with, with your girls group. Um, and, and I think we all went through that as we went through redesign uh, throughout the district. And, and so how has redesign changed, uh, not necessarily the programs that you're doing, because you've highlighted some of those, but how has it changed your instruction in the classroom, do you feel like? 
Um, probably most clearly in my English classes. So, um, I do shorter classes and like I have two short, a medium and a long each week. And last year I had that idea of what I wanted to do. And I, I wouldn't say that I executed it to my vision, but this year I feel like it's going a lot more the way I envisioned it to go. So what it's allowing me to do without getting, cause I always feel like talking about the flex month schedule, you we, can, we can get, do a podcast I will on that talk alone. and talk and talk. Yeah. I will get so long winded. So I always tell people like, it's really interesting, but it's not that interesting to like hear me talk about it. So I'll try to just be brief, but basically what that schedule has allowed me to do that I always kind of wanted to do, but what, when you're in, you know, five days a week, 50 minutes a day, you can't, you're a little bit limited is I feel like I'm truly allowing students to personalize their learning a lot more than they were able to, as far as specifically things that I'm working on this year, our grammar, the way I do grammar and vocabulary instruction is, is um, we're just getting started. I mean, we are four weeks into school, but uh, I see the potential and I'm seeing it already of kids being able to work way more at their own pace and have a lot more choice and things like that. And it's allowing me to do um, writing, I'm utilizing um, the time to try to do more writing. So as opposed to saying, okay, we're going to do two five paragraph essays in a year. We're just writing every week and we're also going through the editing process periodically um, to just get, especially first semester, just shorter writing pieces, but more frequency. And there's some personalization in there and things like that. And then in my longer days, not only am I kind of using those more for conferencing, because I'm trying to do a lot more focus on independent reading this semester. So I, and it enables me to see students for conferences, but also to do longer lessons, to have them have more discussion. Um, so basically I use the different classes for different, diff to accomplish different things. Yeah. And then not to mention the fact that I have found, I'm not going to pretend and say that this is for every kid, but some kids have said, you know, we really enjoy, like, even though it's like kind of confusing at first, oh, what, how long do I have English today or whatever, but breaking it up and I think focusing on different things the feedback I'm getting so far from some students is like I like how this is it makes it feel more fresh and it just you know even last year I had kids who were like I want more English I was like oh my gosh I've never <laughs> never heard that before um so yeah so I mean I think it's just we're just still so brand new and I think there's so much more um opportunity for for growth but that that would be like kind of the main thing i would say of where i can say it definitely has changed my instruction yeah you know i, I used to think that um when i'd go and and do evaluations of teachers or walkthroughs um you could tell the teachers who were strong with transitions right and and obviously that impacted classroom management and all these different things but how do you continue to tie into um whatever your objective is or whatever your main goal is for for that class or that week or that unit, 
and and tie it into everything you're doing, but keep it fresh, right? And, and don't draw mm-hmm. things on too long. And I think FlexMod has allowed that in our high school classes, where sometimes it's easier for our I think our high school teach our high school students to kind of maybe lose that engagement level. Um, and uh, but I think you do have to change what you're doing as well. And I think the personalized learning, the student conferences that you're having with the, the, the kids to, to be able to pinpoint where their weakness is and how do you continue to drive them to achieve their goals with, with reading and writing. Um, I love that you're talking about shorter uh, writing prompts uh, more frequently, right? You know, I, I used to struggle with this idea in my junior year in high school. I had to write a 10 page paper on strategic defense initiative uh, the idea of Star Wars and shooting down nuclear weapons in outer space or whatever, mm-hmm. which I don't know how I picked that topic, but I got that topic, right? <laughs> and then I didn't write a 10-page paper until my master's class, you know? And so I, and even at that, even in my, in my position, in my job here, I've, I'll, I'm, I'll never write a 10-page. I've written a dissertation, you know, but that's because something that I've chosen and, and, uh, and I've had to evolve in my practice of writing because I was, I struggled, you know, in college and, 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 um, I like the challenge, but I like the the idea that that our students are are you know writing these pieces that are a lot shorter, more frequently. I think that's more relevant, to, and it's something that I'm big on is how do we continue to make what we're doing in the classroom relevant to our learners? Um, you know, the the Twitter world that we're in, 140 characters, although they've expanded that a little bit more. Um, you know, I'm not saying that we've got to limit it to that, right? But, right. but how do you continue to to uh, sharpen what you're expressing in a short uh, format, right? And rather than draw it out. And I think kids become right. more engaged in that level too. Well, and, and what it allows me to do too is instead of having a stack of all these essays that it's going to take you, I mean, it just takes time to go through those. We're doing digital writing notebooks. I do a mini lesson for the first mod and then they write for the second mod. I focus on one thing. That's always been a struggle for me of like, you give feedback on a nest and it's like, well, uh, the spelling needs work and the thesis statements and the conclusion and this and that. And then the kids are like, oh, that's too much. So if we do a mini lesson on like our first one was like how to be more descriptive and then we focus on thesis statements. Then when I go back and I give them feedback and it's just a few paragraphs, I can hone in on that thing that we really talked about as opposed to overwhelming them with feedback. Um, And I also want to give a plug for something that I found through one of the things that honestly, um, you know, the the potential of possibly going hybrid or online at some point or remote on some point has made me do something that I like to do, which is to explore new tech tools. But sometimes you just, you get so caught up, you just end up using the same thing. Yeah. But there's this thing called Moat, M-O-T-E, but I actually learned about on TikTok. I'll expose myself um, <laughs> that I'm on TikTok. But teach your TikTok. There's a lot of good stuff. But it allows you to record voice feedback within Google Docs, Google Slide, Google Classroom, and it also transcribes it. So kids can either read it or listen to your feedback. And that has made my feedback also so much more like I can just, you know, I read it and I can just say it. Um, and I think a lot of them, would rather listen to it than read it anyway. Um, so I feel really excited about, you know, again, we're still early, but I feel really excited about the writing instruction and the possibilities of, of that. I use the example all the time that I, I uh, part of my dissertation that I wrote, I did not even type it, I dictated it, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's there's so many different ways to, to get that voice out, uh, whether it is your writing, your handwriting, your typing, your voice, 
the important part is is how do how do we continue to to evolve in them? I think you're doing that. I, and I'm I'm a proponent. I don't know where you're at with this, but with editing that you brought it up, I'm okay with them using Grammarly, you know, and using sites oh, that that assist them. Should be right because uh, that tool is going to be available to you. You know, once again, going back yeah. to what, what I said with Amy Hebert, you have a resource. How do you best utilize it, right, to accomplish your goal? And so, um, although I think there's important piece to being able to self-edit too, I think yeah. we as educators get in our own way of use, utilizing the technology, like you said, to help the craft or help the end product. Uh, and it just helps you as an educator in the long run because those papers mm -hmm. are insane. And how do you, how, if we totaled up the mm -hmm. amount of time that you had to read them, Ashley, you wouldn't, you'd, We'd have to pay you twice as much because you'd be working too much. So, um, all right, I'm going to push on you on this one. What is your philosophy on in teaching Shakespeare? I've got a buddy of mine. Oh, who, yeah. Uh, he's going to love this question if he listens, and uh, I know that he will, but uh, especially once I tell him about it. But I, I love having a debate with, with an English teacher about Shakespeare and its relevancy and in, in instruction today. And so where are you at with regard to, uh, to Shakespeare and, and learning at the high school level? Poor Shakespeare, he just gets, <laughs> you know, he gets it every time. Um, I personally love Shakespeare. My same instructor, my journalism instructor was also my high school English teacher who did such a good job and really instilled that in me. I was terrified to teach it when I first started teaching English. Um, as sophomores in the curriculum is Midsummer Night's Dream or that's the like approved play. Um, but I, not to toot my own horn, but I think I was pretty good at breaking it up and making it relevant and doing enough activities that the kids, most of them, by the time we got to the end, would sort of, they would either say, oh, that was fun, or they would sort of be like, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But one of the things, um, I, I will say I haven't taught it in two years. We've just kind of moved on to other things. And I read an article this spring that kind of um, explained kind of why I, I decided to do that, which was, yeah, it's one of my favorite things to teach, and I've got some really good activities, and we get to the end, but what did they really get from it? Now, I think there are some students who, you know, for whatever they're going to go into in college or beyond that, you know, would enjoy sitting down with Shakespeare and really would get a lot out of it. And it's going to be something that they're going to come back to. But for the most part, you know, what do we think is important about Shakespeare? Well, he was really revolutionary with language. He did a lot of cool things with language. Um, he has some stories that are very much still in pop culture that come up. I mean, how many things have been based off of Romeo and Juliet and that story, which he based off something else, by the way, um, that we feel like, oh, it's, it's relevant, it comes up, whatever. Are there other ways we can accomplish those same things? Can, are there other books we can look at that are way more engaging that can show innovative uses of language? Are there other things that reference Shakespeare that we can just maybe throw it in and say, hey, this comes from this and whatever. Could I offer an occasional, you know, flex time thing? Hey, do you want to learn Shakespeare? Come in and spend lunch with me and we'll go through this play. Could we do it if somebody really wanted to? Yeah. So I just feel like um, I, I respect them and, and uh, I've enjoyed teaching it, but um, 
until somebody comes in and says, you got to do it because I probably won't go back to it. Well, I appreciate that. That, you know, Greg will really enjoy the fact that, uh, that I found an English teacher that will side with him on this debate. Uh, and uh, it, he used to use the, the, the same, he was a social studies teacher and he talked about it. They would, they would teach in middle school social studies uh, about the battle of Gettysburg and they spent two weeks on it. The battle of Gettysburg only lasted three days. You know, they're spending more days in class on it than they do, you know, and so the relevancy, yeah. right, that you're getting at and, and how can we use other things to connect them and uh, we only have a, a limited amount of time within the year, right, and depending on what district you're in, 170 some days and um, how do we gain the most from our students in that time and, and sometimes I think we have a tendency to, to draw things out. Uh, longer than they need so yeah i'm gonna get well i'm not thing. the gate i am not the gatekeeper of shakespeare if you want to know shakespeare there's a million resources and i can point you in the direction and help you so that's right well good not well, you wanna... but somebody who wants to do it yeah <laughs> i do want to get to one more thing before i get to my final four with you and that's okay um you know i was on twitter and, and i love social media uh for the 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 part that i can learn from others right i think there's a lot of negative things on social media today, especially, and, and, uh, and things that they give it a, a negative connotation. But I found out that you are kind of either starting or have started this uh, endeavor of maybe some, some personal coaching and tutoring that, that you are trying to have an impact, the same impact that you're having on our students, but maybe some of your personal time as well, having an impact on others, uh, both educators and students alike, it sounds like. So please share with me kind of, you know, what, what is this all about and what are you doing there? Yeah. So I um, started actually um, in April, so right in the heart of continuous learning, um, a academic life coaching training program, which was started by a former teacher and really focuses on um, bringing the principles of coaching to students. And so what is coaching? I think we've all heard that term life coach, which can be a little bit cheesy and people have their own ideas of what that is. But specifically, it appealed to me um, to work with students and really coaching, you know, my definition of it based on off of other definitions that are out there um, is empowering students to dig deeper as they face challenges and find solutions within themselves. So what did we just talk about for this whole time? Yeah. That is what it, it gets to. And really my desire to look into coaching came from the evolution of my belief as a teacher that content is king to relationships are king and um, social emotional needs are king and that content is, is great, but you know, knowing your students, making connections with them and that empowerment piece are some of the best ways that we can serve them and help them to be successful um, in high school and beyond. So, I'm finishing up the program right now. Um, I have done, you know, coaching within that program to get my hours. And um, it's something that the principles I've learned through this program, which I cannot recommend highly enough, um, which is called uh, Coach Training EDU, um, I have revolutionized my teaching and that is not hyperbole. Um, it has made me a better listener. It has made me more empathetic. Um, it has, just I think that combined with just being so excited to get back into the classroom is really making this a great year um, for me as a teacher one that I I think will be very memorable and so I'm just starting out you know working with some students individually offering some workshops 
Um, most of that I'm putting, you know, kind of on my own social media. But like I said, I'm, I'm working on the principles within my girls group, within my classroom. And it's just something that, you know, being able to work with students individually and, and again, that empowerment piece is, has been something that's been really satisfying so far and I'm really excited to continue. And I think it's something that every single student could benefit from. And I would be shocked if, if in the next 10 years we don't see a lot more coaches in high school because they already have it at the college level. Um, yeah. to help them, whether it be with discovering their motivation or they're working on their time management organization, their leadership, whatever it may be. I think it's something that um, is really, it goes hand in hand with, with everything that great educators are already doing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm big on goals, right. And goal setting. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've achieved a lot of the goals that I've, I've set for myself, whether it's, um, you know, becoming administrator, becoming a superintendent, uh, getting a doctorate degree. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I set the goal. I've got it up here after we first met with Adam Welcome. Uh, right, start a podcast. I've already started. I want to write a book, not the one that I wrote mm -hmm. to, get, to get that that EDD done. But uh, and then I do want to speak, uh, you know, regionally and 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 at conferences and things of that nature too. And so um, I've got it written down. And I think that. Kind of what you're talking about with this 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 coaching aspect for for students and and even educators too is how do you, how do you how do you set those those pieces there whether it's professionally or personally because they're all going to blend together right uh, the social emotional needs for myself is going to impact um and my personal life is going to impact my professional life as well and so how do how do you how do you continue to reflect upon those and and then develop an action plan right step-by-step -step process for you to, to be successful and achieve those goals and that's something I try to talk to my daughter about a lot and, and I think mm -hmm. you're, you're right in this this coaching deal that you're doing here with this is that we need to have more conversations with our students about that as they go not just in high school probably we probably need to start yeah. it early you know as yeah. early as maybe in elementary school so yeah. that's great I love it awesome yeah. well I'm gonna I am, uh, how do, okay, back up. How do they get a hold of you if they're interested <laughs> in that though? Like, so you're kind of finishing it up and you're, you're trying yeah. it out. Like, let's, let's get Ashley out there. If you want a coach, if you want somebody yeah. to help you with your goals and, and help you uh, push yourself to be the better you, both academically or personally, uh, how do they get a hold of you, Ashley? Yeah. Um, I would say probably at this point, I'm still developing my website. It's very close, but not ready to drop just yet. But probably Facebook is the best place. Yeah. Um, just Ashley Watkins on Facebook. Just Ashley Watkins. It's my personal Facebook, Ashley Watkins Coaching. Yeah. Um, but that's probably the best place. All right. Excellent. Well, I am definitely going to continue to check that out and, and, and continue to check on you as you evolve in that. And I'm excited to see uh, your growth and, and impacting others. So. I'm going to give you the final four. These are the four quick questions in the podcast uh, with you. And I, you know, I'm, I'm really interested to hearing what you, what you got for us. So number one, what are you reading right now? Okay. I'm really excited about these questions. Um, all right. So like I said, I'm promoting more independent reading this year. It's something I've done in the past, but we're coming back to it in sophomore English. Um, so I have my book I'm reading at school when we have reading time, which is called The Secret History. The book that I have on my phone, which is called The Book of Longings. And then I also have, I always have some kind of like sort of, 
self-help, if you will, book yeah. that I sort of come in and out of. And that one is called Buy Yourself the Leaves. So I usually have more than one book that I'm reading. I don't know how you do it, man. I'm, I'm a two book at max type person. I, I can't juggle three or four, but I know a lot of people who do. So <laughs> I'm jealous. Um, what would you recommend or who would you recommend on social media or a podcast that you like listening to that educators at 440 may want to go to? Okay. So um, one of the things that I've really been seeking out for myself, um, and this is going to kind of bleed into one of the other questions, but is to become more informed about, um, you know, the topics of diversity and inclusion. And so I've really been enjoying on social media and have learned a lot from on Twitter. I really like educators for justice. And then on Instagram, I really like it's all one word. That's their handle. Here we read podcasts have a lot of good information for educators specifically who are looking to, um, you know, incorporate more diversity and inclusion in their classroom. Awesome. I love it. Um, this one's going to be different. You're not going to be prepared for us. So I always got to keep you oh, on okay. one of these questions. So what is one thing you can't live without at work? <laughs> okay. So one of my points of pride as a teacher is for people to come into my room and say, Ooh, it smells good in here. <laughs> so I could never live, I could never live without my little, like my little wax warmer that I have because yeah. it just sets a good, I like to cultivate a good classroom vibe. And I think smell is a big well, part you of do, that. You're... That's like a shallow answer. No, I like that. it. You know, I thought maybe, you know, I, I'm, I'm expecting some people to say coffee cup, you know, get them through the day. I love the smells. <laughs> Heck, it may even be those, those, those oils, you know, that, that you wear to help relax you too yeah. you know sometimes during that so but it does i can attest to what you're saying it always if you want to go smell something good and you've been wow. in a like a middle school classroom too long or kids right <laughs> after pee go to ashley Watkins and you can love love where you're at in, in there and, and how it smells so love it. and then the last one because i'm big on on uh on self-care and i'm trying to always get better at it although i continue to fail so i like to steal ideas from others is uh, what is your favorite thing to do for self-care Yes, I love this question. Um, I think that it's something that is misunderstood. Like, do we have to go get a pedicure or take a bubble bath? No, um, it looks different for everyone. One of the things that my last thing where I'll talk about continuous learning is that got me through that were really long walks listening to podcasts. And so that is something that I come back to that will always kind of help me reset um, and I have all different kinds depending on my mood of the day of what I'm going to listen to. But a long walk outside, um, that's, that's it for me. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely on board with you too. My kids kind of give me a hard time. They know that uh, when they get in the car, the podcast just turns on all of a sudden. So when they're not with me, that's, that's what I'm typically doing is uh, on, my, on my drives is listening to podcasts. I probably need to add yeah. a long walk though to it too. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ashley, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you being my first official guest from USD 440. You've knocked it out of the park. You do a fantastic job putting kids' needs first, and you will continue to always do that. I know you will. You're a great educator and a, and a great uh, a person to, to highlight the amazing things going on in our district. So thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us today and sharing. Make sure you get out and follow her on Facebook. See the amazing things she's doing in coaching. Check her out on social media. See what she's doing in her classroom. If you ever want to come visit, come by and say, I want to see that Ashley Watkins and smell her classroom. 
and uh, and you'll appreciate <laughs> love everything you do. So Ashley, thank you again. Yes. I appreciate you having having me on. Thank the show. you. This was so fun. Yep. All right. We'll see you later. All right. See ya.